Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. I am very, very pleased at this milestone that we have seven so far, and we got 21 more to go. And, and coming up, we're going to have some DJs that you know and you don't know, and some you'll be surprised that are here. My name is Harry the Big Dog, and this is the DJ interview. And I want to welcome everybody to uh, who's joining in from Facebook, Twitch, and Periscope. So let's get this thing going. Today, we're going to bring in our special guest, DJ Howie D. What's up, kid? How, How you doing? doing? What's going on? What's it is a Sunday. I thank you for, for uh, giving me some time on your Sunday. Well, actually, I thank you for having me. That's even better. You know, that'll yes. work. Thank you. So um, getting started here, could you tell, could you tell people uh, your name, how you got it, and how long you've been DJing? What year did you start? Okay, let me see this. Sounds like a Jeopardy question, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to answer. <laughs> All right. Um. Actually, my name is Howie Vines. That's V-I-N-E-S, letter V. Um. My DJ name is DJ Howie D. And I got that name because uh, when I first started, I did a lot of bars, so there was a lot of drunk people. So I usually, I originally used DJ Howie V, which was my last name Vines. And sometimes when you're talking over live music, they get it wrong. So they said, I said, Howie V. And they said, Howie D? And I'm like, oh, no. And it kept going. You know, I guess I guess I didn't you know, speak too well. So I said, you know what? I'll just keep it at Howie D. And we'll just make it happen like that. Nice. <laughs> so instead of uh, saying Howie V, you heard B. I mean, D. Yeah, and don't, 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 don't get that. You know what? I heard B too. And I said, well, you're going to say it wrong. At least say it wrong with Howie D. I'll, I'll roll with that. You know so could, could your name have been possibly Howie B? It could have been, but um, <laughs> Howie D sounded a little more, you know, it sounded a little more like a flavor kind of DJ, Howie D. You know? All good. I, I'll, I'll work with it. Roger that. So, um, mm -hmm. Your experience back from back in the day, are you are you on a controller or, or Serato virtual DJ, one of them right I, now? I use Serato. I use, um, I have a controller. I just bought one maybe a couple of years ago. I bought a Denon. And um, I'll be honest with you, when I first got, when I first did controllers, I was like everybody, I was scared of because um, Pioneer was out and Pioneer had the, the static um, platters. And I'm like, no, I'm used to turntables. I'm used to right. things spinning around, around and around and around. I'm not used to this, you know? And my biggest fear was, I, I mean, I just made all kinds of fears and everything. I said, well, what if I get drunk one day and I don't see nothing moving? I'm just like freak out, you know what I'm saying? Because you <laughs> see the eye moving in the thing, but you don't see nothing moving. <laughs> and I might stop the wrong thing, and then everybody look at me and they'd be like, yo, we all killed the DJ. So I was like, I better learn how to do this. So um, one night, 
I was at a club with um, Reggie Wells. Okay. And Reg, Reggie said, yo, I want you to come play. And I'm like looking at the stuff. He had like bought a Pioneer controller. And I'm looking at this controller like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So I'm playing around with it, playing around with it. I finally figured out how to do it. And that, I said, okay, I can do this now. Before I, I had a fear of it. You know, because I thought I would never use it. And finally, I just figured it out, and I got I got it, and I'm good with it right now. How long was your learning curve before you you said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, to I got it? Um, probably, you know, believe it or not, I would say at least five, six years. Because um, I had bought... I was, you know, like when CDs came out, when everybody was using CDs, right? They was using, um, you know, you just stick them in there and you see the thing is static, and you say like, okay, well, all right. I thought I would never be able to learn how to use that, right? And I didn't really use it until then. Then, like, that's why I stick with Denon, because Denon had the first, like, you put your CD in there and they had like a platter, you, you know, you playing like you playing records, and I'm like, oh, oh this is pretty. I could do this. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I want to be right now. You know what I'm saying? They have like the 3500s. So I bought a couple of those, and then I said, well, this makes my life a little bit easier. I can do this. Nice. So, and then they came out with the 3700s, which is even sweeter because not only did they have CDs, but they had, you could use a laptop and you could use a flash drive. They were one of the first to do that. Okay. So they were a little ahead of their time. And I wasn't ready to do um like the, the 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 laptop i wasn't really ready to do that at the time right and then i learned how to you know download like mp3s so i started doing the mp3s on the flash drive and then you put your cue points on the 3700s which was the, the you know the players that you play on right and i was like oh this is me yeah <laughs> you know but the problem with that was you only had with, with the 37s, you only had like 5,000 cue points. And that's not good because you might have more music than you have cue points. Wow. So that was time to buy a Mac. So I went and bought a Mac, and then I learned how to use Serato just by talking to DJs. Mm -hmm. And they told me what I needed to do. And I figured everything out, and I'm good right now. Nice. Let's look at the chat and see who's checking in. We got Chris Gloss. Ah, how you doing? We got DJ Tommy Lee. Mm. We got DJ Nice. Okay. All in the building. Nice. <laughs> so, so um, when when you first started years ago, what year was that again? That's got to be at least 78. 78. Mm -hmm. What was it like? Who did you come up with? Who was just beginning with you? Um, well, that was the era of, um, I would say, DJ Hollywood, mm -hmm. Eddie Chiba, Reggie Wells. They were coming up big in that era. And they were young. And they were doing places I wish I could have done. They were doing like, <laughs> They were doing like Hotel Diplomat, they was doing um, clubs, they were doing 371. And 371 at the time was a big club in the Bronx because that was like the Bronx equivalent of Studio 54. Okay. 
you know, so I mean, I remember the first time I went to 371, they was talking about this guy named Hollywood. I never heard of him. And they said, yo, Hollywood be killing him. And so I said, well, let me go. So I went there and my God, I was like impressed. I was like, geez, this boy, he, he you know, he's rapping. And, you know, it was, nothing, it was something I never saw before. Right. Because usually when you, like, if you went downtown to a club, DJs are usually quiet. They don't say anything. They just, you know, playing music. Mm-hmm. But my man was getting up there. He rapping and this call and response. And I'm like, who does that? You know? So I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> you know? So it was it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful experience just to watch Hollywood. Then you see, like, Eddie Chiba. You see Reggie Wells. You see all these cats. I called them, like, the father and son and the Holy Ghost. They were like the three. And it was like, yo, this is great. I could I could gravitate to this. So I loved it. Loved now it. you're talking about a young Reggie Wells, a young DJ Hollywood. You know, mm-hmm. well, um, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're still friends with all of them or some of them. Yeah. Oh. You know, what, what's it like working with them now? Um, Reggie... Well, as far as working, I mean, I've worked with Reggie the most. Okay. Reggie, because um, Reggie, um, Reggie just, he just, he makes me laugh sometimes. <laughs> not, not that I can't work with Hollywood. Eddie Chiba, he's in and out. So, you know, you don't see Eddie as much as you see Hollywood. Right. Like, I do a club called Sam's in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Reggie was doing the miss. He was like six blocks away from where I live. He was doing the miss on 116th Street. Um, then you had other DJs like Starsky. We had other DJs. I worked with pretty much everybody. Pretty much everybody that was in the game. They were all like, you know, they knew who I was. I knew who they was, but we all ran in different. Well, I, I ran in a different circle from where they ran. Right. Well, um, what, what was your style of, of music back then? Um, what did you mainly play? Well, back in the days, if you... Rap wasn't really big back then, like in the in the seventies or mm-hmm. like early eighties, because um, the reason being is because everybody wanted to be sophisticated, and they wanted you to come. Like you go in the club, you couldn't wear no jeans, you couldn't wear no um, <laughs> you couldn't wear no t-shirt, no sneakers. no sneakers. You had to have on gabardine pants. You had to have on some wingtips. You had to have on that bow tie or a tie. British walking. No, no. Mm-mm. No, British Walkers was out. No, British Walkers, no. Because then they knew you where you were from just by wearing British Walkers. <laughs> you couldn't wear no Playboys. You couldn't wear none of that. You, you just had to put some shoes on. I mean, like you was coming straight from your J-O-B. You know what I'm saying? Then you had to have your white shirt. You had a button-down shirt. You had to have your, your tie on if you chose to wear one. Right. You know, no corduroys. You couldn't wear no corduroys. Mm. You, you know, like one day I went in there and they had um, some... I went in there with corduroys on, and it was like, ooh, this is ugly. They wouldn't let me in. So I was like, wow. You know, I had corduroys. And I thought I was dressed neat, but it wasn't happening. But it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. <laughs> Sorry to say. So those those records behind you, mm-hmm. is that your collection or some of your collection? That's my collection. That's everything you have now. Uh, pretty much. 
I mean, because a lot of this stuff came from record pools. Okay. A lot of it came from, I bought, I bought quite a few records. A lot of stuff came from record pools. A lot of stuff came from various things, you know, you know, like sometimes you, um, let me, let me, let me put it this way. There used to be like a, a company that used to give you records. It was like, a, a, I can't, how can I say this? They were like a promotional company, promotional record company. Right. And one day I, because I used to buy a lot of magazines to find out, you know, how to get stuff. And they used to like supply you records. All you had to do was tell them you played the club and they would supply you with the music and you was like good to go. Oh, nice. So whatever, whatever you was out with at the time, whatever they had at the time, they'd give it to you. You know, like instead of you going to the record companies, you would go to this promotional place and they would give you the records that they had and then you'd be good with it. Right. So and that was pretty cool. When was the first time you played Sugar Hill Gang? Um, that had to be when it came out. I think that that had to be. You know, I, I gravitated to nine. Yeah, I gravitated more towards the time so uh -huh. because of where because of where I was playing. Okay. Because don't forget, like I told you in the beginning, like rap wasn't really accepted in the clubs. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Sugar Hill may have gotten over, but you couldn't do a lot of rap back then. It's just like you couldn't do a lot of reggae back then because everybody frowned on certain things that you played. It wasn't until later on in the years that things started evolving because you got to remember that a lot of older people left the clubs and a lot of new people came in. So right. newer people kind of said, okay, we need, let's play some reggae. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do the other. Let's keep it moving. Let's evolve. So we had to evolve with the clubs. And pretty much that's where we're at right now. So what what was your preference of music? Were you with that sophisticated or or yeah, I had to, or? yeah, I had to be because my first club was actually it was a club in the Bronx called Fantasy Hour. Okay. And this club had are you ready for this? <laughs> this club had a swimming pool. This club had a movie theater. They had two floors, upstairs and downstairs. They had a patio in the back. They had a, of course, they had a bar. Right. But it was unique back then to see all this going on. I'm like, wow. Mm. And um, that club attracted a lot of older people. So you really couldn't play because they, you, we had a lot of Latin people. Some Latin people didn't want to hear salsa. They, you know, so you had to do salsa. You had to do R and B. You had to do um it wasn't wasn't called house back then i don't know what it was called but it was like real up tempo music right i'll say disco you had to do disco back then so you had to play things that you know kept everybody on the floor right so tell tell the audience everybody that's listening something that everybody don't know one one of your uh stories that that people don't know about who you were djing with or you know, maybe an incident that happened that the public got a, a story and y'all know the real story? Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, like I said, I pretty much played with everybody. Um, you know, uh, Tommy Allen, God Busted Dead, him and Lance. Lance, well, I played music in Pennsylvania. I played in Pennsylvania with Lance. And, I mean, everybody that I played with, I think I was pretty much cool with. Lady D. Wells is another one. 
B Fats. That's my dude right there. He's another one. Um, everybody that I played with, we all had a good rapport. I never had a problem with anybody. Okay. You know, um, it's just. I mean, I mean, if you want to hear some war stories, I can tell you those. But. Yeah, <laughs> give, give us one good one. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give you one. Um, one year, I got, I had got a manager, and this manager got me a deal with Snapple. You know, they had a party oh, okay. Snapple, and um, I said, okay, all right. So it was a Caucasian, Caucasian audience. So I'm doing, trying to do my research. And I started getting some Caucasian, you know, like Madonna and stuff like that. My problem was I played like Fleetwood Mac, you know, stuff you wouldn't think about playing and, you know, to something like that. And, right. and uh, why did I do that? I bombed. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of your horror stories, huh? Uh, that, yeah. Because that what, light was kill the, the DJ moments? <laughs> it could have been. I mean, it could have been. What, what bailed me out was I had another DJ there, and he kind of knew what to play. And that gave me, like, a hard lesson in what I needed to do. Right. Because he was playing, like, um, I mean, it wasn't just, like, Madonna, but he was playing things like Cool in the Gang, things that got people on the floor. So they was, they was, they was grooving. And, you know, back then... We was using records, so I didn't have all that stuff. I mean, I had it, but I left it home because I didn't think I needed it. And um, it just taught me I had to go do that. You know, play right. Donald Summers, play some Motown, play all that stuff. So uh, it taught me a lesson. Big lesson on how to how to gravitate to to the music people want to hear. Right. <laughs> right. Because it was crazy. I mean, it was a long night, and I was beating myself up because I was like, I could have done this, you know. I could have been a contender, but you know, no. What, no, no, no. Was this a moment where you wanted to just like, I'm done? I was done. I was done like maybe the first <laughs> after the first hour. <laughs> I was like, you know, and quit DJing. I'm I'm done. Headphones I'm down out. and yeah. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go hide somewhere. You know, <laughs> get your money and go. <laughs> so the, the um. After this horror story, where did you end up playing? And you know, your your did your style of music dramatically change or gradually change? Um, well, uh, I'm not gonna say dramatically or it evolved because what I was what you did in the '70s, you're not gonna do in the '80s, right? Because you have a whole new bunch of people coming in. That same crowd that you that you partied in the '70s, they were like, okay. That stayed there, but you have new people coming in, and they have their own ideas of how a DJ is supposed to work his parties. So, you know, like the '80s started reggae, yeah. But you know, in the late '80s, it really got really popular. But the early '80s, it was starting to come together because even in the club I was playing, and they said, "Yo, you know, I know reggae." I'm like, before that, don't forget, I told you it was they was booing reggae because they wanted to hear just disco. Uh -huh. Or something that they could dance to. So reggae was considered slow. Now, what, what what type of reggae was it back then? You're talking about your Yellow Man's, your sister name. Yeah, yeah, Yellow Man, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yellow Man was one. Um, yeah, I can't remember everybody that off the top of my head. Sister Nancy had to be one. Sister Nancy. Um, you know, it, but then it was like, like toward the, 
the, the late eighties it became dance hall. Right. A lot of the stuff that you played in the early eighties, I mean, you could play like um whew, my brain cells is not working today. But <laughs> it's like the early eighties they had like um like true experience. Uh -huh. True experience was like a slow type of, of a reggae record, but people kind of danced to that because they was feeling that. So like in the later later 80s, it became more dance hall. So you could play like um um Terror Fabulous, you could play uh Super Cat, you could play Shakadimus and Flyers, you could play all that stuff. But in the early 80s, you play one or two, get everybody off, and then you go right back to doing what you was doing. So that's so how that works. When rap started hitting hard, because back in 83, you know, Run DNC and all of them started coming out stronger. When when rap came out, did the clubs take to it immediately or they took their sweet time? Actually, it depended on where you play that. Okay. Okay, like, um, I'll give you a good example. Like, I did Broadway International. Now, Broadway International was a club of town on 146th Street in Broadway. So not only did you play disco, but you played hip hop because they brought in a lot of hip hop people. They brought in like Dougie Fresh, they brought in Treacherous Streets, they brought in uh, Cold Crush Brothers, they brought in uh, all the people that was popular at that time, they brought right. in. If you played downtown, like say if you did Justine's, they look at you like you was a four-headed monster. They'd be like, <laughs> why, are you, why are you playing all this rap? You know, like the it wasn't so much the crowd. Some uh -huh. people wanted to hear it, but then there were others who felt like they were too sophisticated. Like, yo, we don't party to that here. Mm. Why are you playing this? So it was like, yo, you, you either sink or swim. So, you know, then house music started coming in like in the, like in the early 80s. So you had, you know, you play like J.M. Silk and you played a couple others. Like, I can't think of like off the top of my head, but you played various people. To, you know, let people know that you're serious about this. Right. Know? I can play all kinds of music, you know, but, you know, you have to just check me out being versatile, you know? <laughs> now, the rappers, the rappers you just named, did you, did you, did y'all ever go on tour with them or are you cool with any of them? Um, like Dougie Fresh, I was cool with. Um, they had a disco four, I was cool with them. Gold Crush Brothers, Cavs, B Fats. Well, B, me and B Fats, we played at Broadway International. Right. To this day. Um, Ronnie D, he was part of the Disco Four. There was Africa Islam, who I haven't seen in years. Africa Islam went out to um, California and then he started doing work with um, Ice T because he was producer for Ice T. Okay. And then he, he even asked me one year if I wanted to go, and I said, no. Hmm. Because I, I thought I wasn't ready for that kind of stuff. Just that big move out to California, you know. And I, I said no. Hmm. Ain't gonna happen. If you would have took that step, what do you think you would have been? I don't know because you know it's like um, back then I didn't want to go anywhere. My roots was right there in New York, and right. you know I felt like I was getting some kind of money just to stay here. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going nowhere. You know, I don't want to take that chance to go there. And then next thing I'm stranded in California, it doesn't work out. <laughs> you know, you could have made your way back. You got one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't trust that either. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. 
So when when did you actually did, did did you take a break between your vinyl life and your controller life? Did you take a break from DJing? Um, it's funny you say that. It's like um, one thing led to another. It's like um, you, like after you after you do clubs and stuff like that, you really don't know which way you're gonna go, and you see your 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 your, your people. It's like. You know, you see people, they're still DJing, they're still doing their thing, they're giving parties and stuff. And even though you wanted to take a break, you still want to be part of that. And that was in my blood. That's always kind of been in my blood. So I was like, all right, well, let me see what they're talking about. So they'll put you right in. If they know what kind of person you are or they like what you do, they'll put you right in. So next thing you know, I'm with Reggie Wells. We're doing um, the bar bath. We're doing Club Iguana. We're doing um, this place, that place, any place he had us. That's where we were, and I was like, "Okay, we know it doesn't stop there." Then right. you have other promoters that's listening to you, and like um, there was a guy, Chris Johnson and Silas. They had me playing at Club Elite on Twenty Third Street, mm-hmm. and you know it, that was crazy. Then you had they had me doing El Morocco. They had me doing um. Latin, well, Herman had me in Latin quarters, but I was like, I was in clubs. I was like, right. you know, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. The tunnel? You ever played the tunnel? No, no, that was a Funk Master Flex production. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that. That was it, huh? <laughs> I was like, yo, you well, see, when you do clubs, like, if you know your limit, you know that some things you're not going to be able to. You know, if you think you can't do it, don't do it. Because you know, then you're in over your head. If you're gonna do something, please do the research. Check out a club and see if that club is for you. Because um, it's like promotion. Promoters, I should say. Like a promoter here, you play at one club and you tear the club up, but they want you to play at their club. But their crowd is not like the crowd that you played the other crowd for. Right. So they all sitting down and you trying your best to get them on the floor and you know, you. You, you need a shoehorn to get them up out their seats or something. I'm like, <laughs> fire crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. You know, what do I have to do? So, you know, you have to do your research, do your homework. Make sure you, your homework is done first before you do anything else. Roger that. Mm-hmm. Man, so you, you was telling me about Hershey Park. How right. did that come about? Well, um, what happened was, I was doing a radio show back in early 2000, like 2004. And what I, I guess it was meant to be because I'm still with it. And um, ironically, it wasn't about disco or anything else. It was about slow jams. Because the guy that had the show, he was doing a lot of slow jams. And he named the show The Love Zone, which okay. is from Reese Watts. And so he was looking to branch out. So he he got hooked up with a promoter that I uh, started that got me kind of in the start with his name was Lincoln Sessions. He got me started in clubs, and so I don't know how they met up, but they met up. And then the next thing you know, at first we was doing Fernwood in PA, then we was doing another club, and then we ended, we ended up at Hershey. So last year was actually our last year at Hershey. They got another spot that they go to try to do in December. I think you know hopefully this. See when it opens back up, right? 
Yeah, so they got another spot that they got they're gonna do is bigger than Hershey's. But Hershey's, I liked it. I mean, I liked it. Actually, Fernwood was cool too because when they did their concerts, they used to do concerts and they used to have like all the top acts of the day. Like they'll have Stephanie Mills come one year, they'll have Whispers come another year, they'll have Midnight Star come another year, they'll have Black Ivory, they'll have Blue Magic, all these groups that were like like soulful singers, they would have them all come and sing. So Fernwood was the first few years, and they used to have a bond. You know, it was like a concert hall, but it looked like a big bond. Right. It was like, when I saw the people that was in there, it was like maybe two, three thousand people in this one big bond. I'm like, whoa. And then you're going to come to the after party. I better do my thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to come in and act like I know what I'm doing. You know? But it was, it was good. It was good. It's a good experience. So that's how I got hooked up with the whole Hershey thing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you said you doing radio. How long did you do that? Um, well, I'm still doing that. That, that okay. started in uh, 2004 because, um, you know, I always like I always like the old slow music, like the Delphonics and um, mm-hmm. Magics and in, in, in whatever of the world. And um, that was like a, a side thing. I said, you know what? This is this is banging. So. The opportunity came. I forgot. I think it was a guy that I went to. I went to um, the radio station with. He said, "Yo, come on the radio station." With you. So, um, one thing led to another, and then he asked me, "Do I want to be a co-host?" And I said, "I'll take it. <laughs> I'll do it. No problem. This is this is it. This is me right here. I roll with this." <laughs> DJ Tommy Lee said, "Hershey Park." <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know they have um, they have a, um, like this. What do you call it? Um, it's not a resort. What do you call that? It's like um, they have um places where you could go like meet, like they have meeting rooms and all that stuff. Okay. They could, like they put like a, a portable dance floor there. Somebody would bring their equipment in, and then you could uh, you know play the equipment. Like they got different rooms, so. It was all good. Then they had a room where they actually did the concert, which is beautiful. Wow. Oh, this is it. This is great. I can work with this. This is what's going on. And you said last last year, um, you was telling me who showed up last year? Um, The artist? No, I can't remember. I remember who's the top back? Who's the top back? Cause they, I mean, they go by so fast. I know the Delphonics was definitely there. Uh huh. Midnight Star was there, and I forgot who the hell was. Oh, People Bryson. People Bryson. People Bryson. That's who. That's who it was. Man, those were were eighties people, and they're still out there doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can they still hold notes? Depends on who you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna say no names, but you know, some do it better than others. <laughs> DJ Tommy Lee said it's like a ski trip. Yeah, it's like a ski trip. You go away for the weekend, like you Friday. You go away Friday. As soon as you pack your unpack your bags, they got a you know like they got a little show like in the in the in the um, hall. So you go like before you even go to the rooms or wherever you gonna go. Like say you want to go party, you go party in the room with us. But you can go in the hall, and then they have the artists actually come in and meet and greet. Right. 
So some of the artists will come in and they'll shake hands with you, take pictures with you. You know, um, you know, you could talk to them. You know, that was one of the beauties of being at these things. I never had the time to do it because, well, you know, I was playing. Right. So I never had the time to really sit. I mean, I met um, a couple of artists along the way. Like I know a couple of members of Blue Magic. I know um, Black Ivory, the Ladies of Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here and there you meet people, and then people sometimes I don't even have to tell them who I am. They know who I am just by me being up there DJing. Right. Hey, how are you doing? Like, how do you know me? <laughs> I don't know. You know, you know it's all good, you know. So, but you know, they 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 show you love. That's the one good thing about it. Right. That's one great thing about it. Nice. He um DJ Tommy Lee says Sky. Sky is his people. I don't yeah, know sky, about that sky. <laughs> well, you know, the sky is out of the sky from Brooklyn. So that's this they they're good people. The ladies, you know, I never met the whole group. I already know the ladies because they came like to the, to all the events. And not only that, um there's a thing called the National RV Business Society. And they used to give like concerts out in Atlantic City. And I did maybe a couple of them. You know, like they do it in like the, the they do it like the outdoor thing, right? In a, in a basin, like over there by the water. So you over there by the water, and you DJing while you know, like in between the acts coming on. Like one year they had the stylistics, one year they had um, what was it pop One year they had um, what was it Chub Rock? Okay. So it was it was like you know, they come in and they perform and they do their thing and you know it was all good, all great. Do you, when you're DJing, do you have any pet peeves? People coming up to you or people disturbing you while you're mixing, anything? Well, in the beginning, yeah. You, you know, like um, some guy would come up and say, my girl, don't, you don't <laughs> like the song. Said, and then, you know, you, you know, at first you take a couple of them and you say, my girl, she don't like the song. Can you change the music? Uh. And then you start realizing, well, why ain't your girl up here? Why are you up here? You know what I'm saying? What, what are you doing standing up here? Well, tell your girl up. <laughs> you know, I did a wedding one time, and um, they gave me a list of songs to play. So I'm playing, and there's somebody sitting down in the, in the like, audience, a female. When are you going to get this place dancing? I said, listen, I'm only doing what these people ask me to do. Oh, don't worry. We're going to have you dancing. Just relax. So finally, I get everybody dancing, and then I went back to it. I said, you see, this is how it's supposed to work. I'm doing, I'm getting paid because they're telling me what they want. You know, if you was paying me, then I'd do what you asked me to do. But yep. you're not paying me, so let it go. Let it go. You know, then there's people that um they think they 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 know everything about DJs, so they'll come up to you and they'll say, You ain't got this, it's time to get them booked. Let's get them started, let's get them rolling. I'm like, uh, <laughs> Just wait your time. Wait your time. You know what I'm saying? It's DJs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got your critics. You know what I'm saying? So they come to you and they're like, um, um, it's time to put on some reggae. No, it's not. You see everybody on the floor, they dancing. Don't worry, I'm gonna have it, you know. And and, and don't get the ones that got that put drinks in them. It's, it's some treacherous. Uh <laughs> 
Speaking about pay, um, I don't know if you was listening a couple of days ago when uh, DJ Clientel was talking about, uh, you know, sticking with your pay. And I had mentioned, you know, what about that DJ that's just coming up and, and well, need these gigs? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's your thought on the, the pay situation when it comes well, to the DJs? I hate to say it, but you're only as good as your as your DJ skills. Um, because a lot of times, some people play. I'm giving example, and this this is something I found through the years. Um, if you listen to Hot 97 all day long and don't listen to nothing else, and then you go to the club, and that's all you play. Like you get a uh, if you get a job saying, okay, I'm gonna play for these adult DJs. I know the music. Be confident you, you know the music. I know the music. But all you do is you playing Meek Mill and you playing Drake, and you're not looking at your crowd. Right. That's going to on you. So you know um, you have to do your research. You have to like look and go go somewhere where the, you know you know you're gonna play for this crowd. Go to a place where they have that crowd and they and they can kind of like you can kind of like see where they're going. Uh huh. No, you just can't say I'm a DJ. I mean, we've all made that mistake. I'm, I, I would think we've all made that mistake one time. That's like me going to a hip hop club and I know what I'm playing, and I'm gonna get booed. <laughs> no, I'm they don't want no suave music. They want some yeah. head banging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they want some head bangers. You know what I'm saying? They want. They ready to go. <laughs> DJ P Nice said a lot is overpaid. Um. Days are overpaid. True? I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak on that. I can speak on if they're overpaid, they got the great gift of gab. You know what I'm saying? Um, the gift of gab gets sometimes the gift of gab will get you in a good spot, in, in a good position to get your money. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't like what you do, but they, you know, they want to honor your contract and they'll pay you that money anyway. But don't look for them to look for you again, because you you know you already messed it up for everybody, right? You know, you know what I'm saying. So if they overpaid, they got that money because they had a great gift to gap. right? You know they told you they, they they sold in the Brooklyn Bridge before they even decided to sell. So <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like yo, okay, well if you got a gift to gab and you say you could got all this music and then some people want to hear tapes. I don't know what you put on these tapes, right? And and and, and I mean, I hate to say that some people are ignorant. Like the, the audience is ignorant sometimes because it's like, you know, you get all this music. I'm getting music every day. I'm always listening and seeing what's going on. I try to keep up with what's going on out here. But even that, it's like, yo, you you can't keep up with everything. There's no way you can play all this music and say you're going to be great. You're not. Right. You have to go with a flow with a crowd. You have to fill your crowd because you can have all the music in the world and still be crazy. You know, it's still not going to work for you. Yeah. So you have to like rein that in a little bit. It's easy. <laughs> I heard you say cassette tape. Hey, hey, uh, put in the chat if you still have any of the cassette tapes that you Ooh. made from back in the day. <laughs> Oh, I wish I did, man. I still have a few. I man. never let, and I and I play them in my current car. Mm. I got a uh, um, 
uh, a Walkman. Mm-hmm. Plug it in. Oh, lucky you. Click tape. <laughs> Man, I wish that was me. Um, you know what? Uh, somebody interviewed me about a year and a half ago, and they asked me, if, you know, the club that in question was Broadway International. They said, "Do you have any tapes from Broadway International?" I said, "No." So it was so chaotic in that place because it was like um, so much was going on. First of all, the manager didn't want people to come to the DJ booth. They had celebrities. They had, you know, the, the hottest celebrities of the day would come in. Right. Like they would get Ron Mason in there. Or they'll get this guy, Jimmy Ross, who did a first two love affair. Yeah. He would in there. Then you get a few, you get all these acts. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're putting the tape in the reel. Back then it was real, real. They didn't give you, you no know, like, those tapes that just pop in. They give you a real, real. And you have to put the tape, you have to, like, put the tape on the real, real and play it. And it was like, they tell you to stop it. Then you have to go to the next song. So then you have to find that line that goes between this tape and the other one. I'm like, oh. So back in the day. Back in the day. day, Yes, sir. (laughs) Back in the day. You know, now, I mean, all you have to do is bring a CD or a flash drive in and you good money. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Back then, they bring you a they bring you a real, real tape. You, You, all you need is internet. <laughs> hey, um, Hope said, "Hey, hey, Tommy. Hope, how you doing?" <laughs> yes, Tommy Lee, I still have a tape player. I have multiples. <laughs> I'll show them during this thirty days. <laughs> so, um, back, going back again, when was the first time you touched a record? At what age, you think? Um, well, here we go again. <laughs> you gotta reach, huh? Oh, I gotta reach. I don't know. I mean, you know, when I first got a look for this DJ and thing, um, I was young, and uh, my uncles used to have records in the house. Yeah, but he never let you touch any of his records. And before, oh. you, know, you, you get shot at sunrise. You know, you touch any of his records, and he kept his records all in pristine condition. Right. So, uh, when it was when I got older, I didn't have a record player. So this lady that you knew my mother, she lived around the corner from me. She brought me her record player. And why she do that? <laughs> <laughs> there was a record shop like right across the street from my house. And I would go to the record shop and buy whatever I heard on the radio. So uh, I was like, yo, I'm happy right now. You know, great. This is beautiful. I could do this. Let's go. So it was love. It was love. And then it just kept it kept snowballing. Then the next thing you buy more records. Then my mother was buying records. So sometimes I take some of her records and use it with my records. <laughs> and you know, nobody be the wiser except her. Where's my record? I can't find my record. I, <laughs> I look back from back in the day and today and and they do have it a little bit easier, like you were saying. You just get get a thumb drive and everything. We had to buy doubles. If there was yeah. an album out, we bought doubles of the album. If there was a single out, we bought doubles of the singles. Mm-hmm. So that's where most of the money went that you made from the previous week's, you know, little house party. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you know, and, you, and records back then they were cheap. They were fairly cheap. I mean, yeah. Like um, a twelve inch back then, I think the first twelve inch was like a dollar ninety nine. 
and yeah. your albums was two three ninety nine. So you know, but you came out cheaper if you bought the twelve inch because the twelve inch grooves was louder than the album grooves. So you know, you would go get that. You know, whatever came out at that particular time. <laughs> it was great. It was beautiful. Beautiful thing. Oh man! So let's let's wrap this up. Howie D. Um, you know, my last question is what would you tell a upcoming DJ? One that's uh, just getting into the business and don't know nothing. To learn, I've, you know, I've been hearing this all week and I have to chime in with that. Learn everything. Learn everything you can. If you have to learn turntables, learn turntables. If you have to learn controllers, learn controllers. If you have to learn, like controllers now, they have everything all built in one. Mm-hmm. Don't have that controller. What if you have like two turntables and you got a mixer? Right. You have to learn how to use that mixer, how to hook up that mixer to your other um like um your other stuff. Right. So you play your music. You know, don't be so dependent on controller. Learn how to do everything. I mean, like I like I said at the beginning of the thing, I was like, yo, I was scared of controllers. I was scared of using pioneers because they were static. And you know, like I see people moving the the, the, the jog wheel, and I'm like, well, how do they know? Like, you know, I'm I'm heavy handed. Uh-huh. Whole thing look like you know, like I was playing a roulette table it's or something. Old record, yeah. yeah, yeah, like I'm playing roulette, you know. So it was like, yo, no, no, no. So I had to learn, but once I got over that fear, you know, I was good. I was I was I was a better person for it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, well, you know what? I forgot. Yes, yes, I was gonna break that up. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> All right. See this here? This is a book. That that is hip hop history right there. It's hip hop and R and B. Who who wrote that book? This is um if you ever heard of Billboard. Uh-huh. This is Billboard. Billboard, this is like all the top hits. And it goes this book happens to go from nineteen forty two to two thousand four. So not only are you getting groups that you probably never heard of, you're getting people that you never heard of. Then you get groups that you're familiar with. Like if you're familiar with Redman, Redman would be in this book. If you got Jodeci, they would be in this book. Lost Boys would probably be in this book. But the thing is with this, they only play the charted stuff that was on Billboard. Oh, okay. Because we know that there's a lot more music than they would have, but if you need a reference sometime, if you need to know the names of songs, I would suggest, yo, go get this book, do what you need to do, because this will help you in the long run. That's what that's what had you become a, a, a human encyclopedia with your music? Um, probably so. You know, it was like well, you know, like every week I was running to the record pool and I would look at the I would look at records, I would look at the covers, I would like say, Okay, well who did this? You know, I used to buy my records looking at the backs of the records and looking at who produced the song. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you look at it like say if you if Philly International is hot, you know right away to go get it. No questions asked. If you knew um a, a producer that had a track record of good songs, you wouldn't ask no questions, you just go out and buy it. You know, somebody knew you might say, Well, mm, I gotta hear it first. Yeah. <laughs> He left up on this one, but I, I don't know what his track record looked like. And once he comes up with a few little joints, then you got to work with it. <laughs> but that's, that's how I was buying records back then. Nice. DJ P. Nice said, uh, where could he get that book? 
Okay, um, Amazon. Now, I gotta I gotta explain one thing to you. That book is pretty expensive, but you might be able to on Amazon. Like I got this book. Hold on a second. I got this book for the low, low price of twenty nine dollars. Mm. I looked I looked up and got it. Some places, depending on where you go, might I mean if you go on Amazon, it's gonna cost you maybe a little bit more money. But they don't have maybe they'll have a sale on it. But it's it's chock full of information that you could use to get you, like say, you don't know the name of a song, but you can look in here. And you might be able to find that name just by looking at okay you look up Buster Rhymes and you see all the hits that's good you might you might find fabulous in there right the only problem with this book is this is up to 2004. so, so you're not going to get drake or you're not going to right. get anybody after 2004 unless they do another book right 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 and i have not seen another book i've not seen the up-to-date book so it probably won't be on hardcover it'll probably be digital <laughs> Oh, it'll probably be soft cover. You might be able to, um, you know, maybe soft cover. <laughs> it might be soft cover. Yeah, and it's cheap. It's cheaper soft cover. Mm -hmm. too. So you might be able to get that book, you know. And then um, do a lot of research. I mean, if you're up and coming DJ and you want to be, you, it depends on who you want to play for and what you want to do. If you want to be that DJ that does hip hop, then go to the hip hop clubs. If you want to spread your wings, you want to do hip hop and R&B. Check those clubs out as well. If you want to do everything, you want to do house music, you want to do clubs, you want to do hip hop, you want to do R&B, check those out too. Like every place I went to, I had to go listen to what everybody was doing. Like if I know I'm going to play house music, I want to go to this club and see what he's doing. Right. Maybe not play the same. You know, I wanted I want to tap into some. Yes, I want to tap into some of the music that he's doing because he might not play it, and that gives me an opportunity to play it. But it's always good to hear somebody do something. You know, if you got a DJ that you gravitate to that does it all, gravitate to him. Don't be scared. You know, don't be scared. Just go. Right. And if you feel like you want to strike up a friendship or, or, or talk to him, do that. Because you never know where that's going to lead you. He might need a friend. He might say, yo, I need you to open up for me or something like that. Yep. You never know. And that's, that's what this community is going to be for, where where you can reach out to people and, and get to know people. Right. And, and, you know, some DJ Tommy Lee, DJ P. Nice and a couple of the others that's in the area or maybe in an area that you're going to. Yeah. And they're familiar. Like, I, I think I, I rolled on Tommy a couple of times, you know, where he was playing. Yeah. And he was killing it. It was killing it. I was like, Tommy. Do you listen to their Saturday night with him and DJ Cam? Um, I have actually. I haven't. I may have caught Tommy a couple of times. Yeah, I may have, I may have caught him a couple of times. In all honesty, but um, if I did, I caught him pretty late. You have to because they be taking it down. Yeah, <laughs> man. Playing, playing like you said, doing your research, and it was like I wondered where they got that beat from. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the original record. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 um, I listen to Tommy, and, and it's always good to hear other DJs too because yeah. I listen to Tommy, and he might be on call something that I'm not aware of just by him playing it. I'm not saying I'm gonna, I'm gonna take his style and copy it, I just want to get an inspiration. Sometimes yeah. I listen to DJs for inspiration, inspiration, yeah, <laughs> inspiration and perspiration. <laughs> you know, so because <laughs> we're gonna make it work harder, like, um, uh, when. Yeah, we did. 
I did a thing with Lance. God bless the dead. And he he played some house music. He had rolled me under the table with house. Uh. You know, I mean, not that I didn't have any. It's just that, yo, he's playing things that I would have never thought to play. <laughs> and these people up there moving all on the floor. I'm like, whoa, okay. Yeah. It it depends on where you where you live. My wife is from Jersey and she listened they that's all she listens to is the house music. But you know, you know we listen to it on our side of the water. But the, but the the um radio house music, they be listening to stuff I never heard and she know all the words to it. There you go. Like um like um there's a there's a few people I listen to online, I never heard them play. And like like say there was a cat from Delaware. I listened to him one night. And he's playing stuff I ain't never heard. Like what you, you know, because everybody is regional. Everybody has a different kind of thing that they do. Yeah. So, like New York, you if you're from New York, you're not gonna play like the kid in Detroit. Or you're not gonna play like you might play right. like the kid in, in Jersey, or you might play like the kid in, in Philadelphia because that's pretty much okay. But Detroit, you go to Chicago, you're not gonna play like them. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's so you a whole different style of, of music. Um, right. The um, DJ from the other night, uh, DJ B folks, he's in South Carolina. And right. he's talking about talking a little about the differences between, he's from Brooklyn, but he only lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years, maybe eight, nine years. And then he left. Right. But he was naming off names and he's like, I know how to play this type of music. I know how to play when I go to Detroit, I know how to play when I go to Chicago. And it was just amazing. And he's really brand new. DJ Tommy Lee said uh, he's going to take you and, and P. Nice on the road. <laughs> hey, that'll work. I'm with that. That'll work. Tommy, I'm waiting on you. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you, Mr. DJ Howie D. Thank well, you thank much you. For, for being uh, the DJ interview. Oh, thank you. So this has been another episode of the DJ interview. And like I said, I wanted to thank the viewers that's coming from Facebook, that's coming from YouTube, that's coming from Twitch, that's coming from Periscope. And we're going to do this again. We're going to do it all month, 8 o'clock every night a DJ or somebody who supports the DJ community. We'll see you soon.